Kim and Beave, all thanks to Mick Delivery. Kim Downs here in the hot seat, leading you through the first hour before Beave joins us live from Paris. Cannot wait already to hear his takes on this All Blacks 23 named play Ireland for the big quarterfinal on Sunday. If you have not already seen it, I will read it out for you again. Uh, definitely not leaked, eh, guys? Definitely not the team that's been leaked that we've been talking about for a couple of days now. Ha <laughs> ha, 100% that is the team. Uh, all right, so your starting props, Ethan DeGroote and Tyrell Lomax, Cody Taylor starting at hooker. You're starting Locks, Brody Retallick and Scott Barrett. And you've got Shannon Frizzell, Sam Kane and Artie Savia making up the loose Ford trio. Aaron Smith, of course, at halfback. Richie Moonga uh, at 10. Then... On the wing, Lester Fanga Anuku is in the number 11 jersey. Jordy Barrett at 12, Rico Ioane at 13, Will Jordan on the right wing, and Bowden Barrett at fullback. Very few surprises in that starting 15, with the exception, of course, of Lester Fanga Anuku coming in on the left wing in place of Mark Talia, who we have since found out has been excluded from the side over. Some ill discipline. Tisk, 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 naughty boy will take. Uh, we'll talk more about that shortly. Would love to hear your thoughts, though, on that call. Obviously, he's done something serious enough to be warranted, uh, to warrant being left out of the side. Apparently, the senior leadership group in the team uh, were the ones to make that call. Was it the right one, or would you have bit the bullet, sucked it up, and kept him in there anyway? Perhaps you like Lester Fanganuku in the team regardless. Maybe you wanted that. Maybe it's not such a bad thing. In the bench, uh, Dane Coles is your reserve hooker. Tamaiti Williams, Fletcher Newell are the reserve props. Sam Whitelock comes off the bench in lock. Dalton Papali'i is in the number 20 jersey. Finlay Christie at halfback. That would have taken more than a few people by surprise. Damian McKenzie is in there as well. And Anton Leonard-Brown will wear the number 23. The bench, I think, was always going to be a bigger point of contention. Although, I will say that one of the parts that I was uh, most surprised by, we'll get to the halfback situation soon, was actually the props. Tamaiti Williams and Fletcher Newell, obviously both relatively young. Yes, strong, fit, mobile, all of that. I did think when I made up my uh, my draft 23 that Ofatonga Fasi would be in there just offering a, a more experienced head off the bench uh, and obviously with his ability to cover both positions uh, which we have seen be needed in previous games in pool play anyway. Uh, Locke was always going to be a question of who was coming off the bench between Sam Whitelock and Brody Retallick. We got a hint in that Italy game I think that the preferred option was going to be Whitelock coming off the bench I mean you don't really lose much uh, with the calibre of those players either way. Finlay Christie 
the big talking point chosen, apparently for his defence. Now, this has been the constant, hasn't it? This is what has been said about him and why he has been consistently coming off the bench when it comes to big games behind Aaron Smith for some months now. The All Blacks selectors like his defence. They like the idea of him coming on late in the game when the All Blacks are perhaps having a, holding a close lead and knowing that he will have the ability to defend his socks off. But is it the right call? After what we've seen from Cameron Roygaard through this tournament, his ability to change the game, his ability to attack, which you would have to think would come into play if the All Blacks do in fact end up chasing this game, could this be a huge miss from Foster and Co? I can understand their reasoning. I'm just a bit iffy on if I agree with it. If the show, if, if you look at the other side of things though as well, I suppose you can argue that Cam Roygaard hasn't necessarily had the game time to be able to prove himself up against significant opposition and in those tight encounters uh, which this game feels like it will be. Uh, he's had great performances against teams that the All Blacks have blown out. So perhaps that has worked against him in a way. The fact that he just hasn't had the opportunity to show what he can do against good teams in tight situations. Couple of texts in here and get those in. Your thoughts on the Temper Bed Post text machine on that All Blacks 23 named to play Ireland. Double eight double three is the text number. Dan Foster made big changes in leaving the old firm out of the front row. Big call for Williams and Newell to go on the bench if the All Blacks are behind and under pressure. I agree, Dan. And Talia's a loss for his work rate, especially chasing the high ball. Leicester great in contact at the ruck pick and go sometimes. I reckon the Irish will be happy. I don't know about the Irish being happy. I think they'll be very content in the work that they have done. The fact that they have been able to name a very consistent team once again. I think they will not necessarily look at that all-black side in fear, but they'll look at them in weariness. It'll be interesting once we find out, if we get to find out, how much the pressure, the expectation, the weight is going to start to build on them between now and when we hit quarterfinal time. Because this is when they will start to feel things. If they're going to be affected mentally, it will be in the next couple of days or potentially not even until they run out onto that field. So let's look at the talking points, though, from this All Blacks 23. Uh, Mark Talia Bit naughty, but Nuku is a great plan B. Uh, yes, I mean, he is a great plan B, isn't he? He's shown his strength. He's, shown, he's a different type of player. But like Dan says, in contact, he will go well. He's got strength. He might not have the out-and-out pace that Talia does, but he's also got the added benefit of being able to cover multiple positions in that back line if he needed to. He knows how they work. He knows how to work with the other players. So it's not going to be a disruptive change for the rest of the team, at least. And you've definitely seen worse replacement wingers uh, for players over the years. When you look at uh, Finlay Christie, we've discussed that. (sighs) Is it the right call? Is it the right call? This is going to be one of those ones where if the All Blacks lose in the late stages when he is on, this is going to be the selection that people come back and point to 
and say this is where they got it wrong and more likely a few I told you so's will be in there as well. But hey, the All Blacks selectors, we've got to remember, this is what I cling to, right? When I need my boost of, of positivity and optimism, and especially when Beave isn't here to talk me uh, talk me out of my downward spiral of, oh my gosh, how are we going to get past this Ireland team? I also look at at least the All Black selectors, they know more than we do. They are there day in, day out. They have all of their stats, all of their information, all of their analysis that they are gathering on each of the players, and they know more than we do when it comes to the specifics, the details, the intricacies of what each of these players can do. And they are working off a lot more information than what we have. Maybe I'm clinging to hope here. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, Interesting as well, though. The mental game, as I mentioned, really ramps up from here on out. The weight of history for Ireland, having never made it past the quarterfinal stages of a World Cup. Johnny Sexton's tried three times before. This is number four. Can he do it this time? Does he have the personnel? Do they have the mental fortitude? There was a great line, I think, uh, in Gregor Paul's piece in the New Zealand Herald this morning where he mentions something to the effect of the All Blacks. They know how to win at this stage. Ireland think they know how to. And we've heard a lot from Andy Farrell uh, in the wake of his own team naming, talking about how calm they are, how relaxed they are. It's all very jovial. They, you know, it's, it's almost a cliche now when the teams say they walk towards the pressure, they embrace it. But it's all easier said than done. And the All Blacks have done it before, and Ireland have not. Text in here from Michael as well. I don't agree with Foster Crew not putting Roy Gard starting in the start oh, in the starting twenty three. Look, I think there are a lot of um, of people unhappy that Cam Roy Gard is not there. It seems pretty clear from what we have seen throughout this World Cup that he is the heir apparent now. When Aaron Smith leaves, uh, he's signed on again with New Zealand rugby, you are going to see him starting at nine in the near future after this World Cup. Uh, is his time now? Maybe it should have been. Let us know your thoughts. Double eight, double three. Uh, also making news today, the Cricket World Cup. Now a few interesting talking points from this one. Not least the Aussies going down in a crumbling heap to South Africa. They're now 0-2 for the tournament after also losing to India in their first game. Are they in big trouble? I think they might be. And I'm I'm not mad about it, let's be honest. Traditionally, the Australian cricket team, not a hugely likeable one if we're uh, going to be blunt about things. However, what has happened? They've still got the big names. They've got all those guys who you look at on paper and go, oh my gosh, look, they've got Smith, Warner, although he's been out of form for some time, uh, Lubbershane, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood. This should be a good side and they are just not performing. I would be very, very worried if I was a uh, an Australian cricket fan. It'll be interesting as well later on in the show. We're going to talk to Lee Jamon, who's now the boss at New South Wales Cricket. It'd be fascinating to get a point of view from a former black cab who's also very familiar now with the Australian 
cricketing scene. On the Black Caps front, oh, hallelujah. Finally, Kane Williamson set to return tonight for the Black Caps up against Bangladesh. His recovery from that ACL injury has been quite something to behold. The way he's gone about it, of course, he is the consummate professional, exactly as you would expect, but I think he's back even sooner than he would have expected originally. I think a lot of people were were thinking he would be part of the World Cup team to hopefully get in at the end there. Instead, he's back, he's fit, he's ready to play from Game 3, and I, for one, just cannot wait. It'll be very interesting to see what it means for this Black Caps lineup for this game. You can expect a few changes as well, given the spin-friendly nature of the wicket in Chennai, and they've, sp- they've spoken pretty openly about the fact that they do not want to let this one slip. You look at opposition like Bangladesh and then Afghanistan that's coming up next, and you go, these should be two wins. Ian Smith told us on last week's show, these have to be two wins for them. To put them in a reasonable position to go through to the semi-finals, they need to make the most of this. But both of those teams will be playing on spin-friendly wickets, and that is playing to their strength. So a very different type of game I would expect tonight against Bangladesh than what we have seen in the Black Caps campaign so far. Another text in here with Chris. Finlay is a fantastic halfback, very quick at the breakdown, accurate passing and solid defence, and also less mistakes. And Chris, you've got a fair point, and I wonder if the greatest compliment that you can almost give Finlay Christie sometimes is that you really end up talking about his performance after a match. It always feels solid enough that it doesn't need a mention without being incredible. And that, in its own way, like I say, I I say that in a very complimentary fashion, because if you do your job and you do it well, and note, you may not be the shiniest star out there, but you don't give people a reason to talk poorly about you, well, that probably says a lot about how solid you are as a player. One in from Dan here as well on the cricket. Aussies lose two more games, they're in trouble. No panic at the moment. Oh, Dan, where's the fun in that? Let's panic. Let's panic for them. Two more games. Well, one to the Black Caps. There you go. It's just one more after that. Easy as you like. Now, we've also had news this week that New Zealand, as we knew, was going to get a second A-League team based out of Auckland. William P. Foley II is the preferred bidder. The American billionaire uh, who also owns a number of other sports teams. Now... He was up against, from the reporting, uh, other various consortiums, including some that featured a few familiar faces. I'll confess that I was, while not being closely involved with the story, uh, I was a little surprised that the A-League would go with a bid that didn't feature prominent New Zealanders, just because of the location, the PR element, if they're all offering the same amount of money, clearly they think that the wider investment that they can get from having this billionaire backing the team is going to be much more worth much, much more uh, than having a few local names. However, I for one would have quite liked to have seen an Auckland team with an ownership group that included, say, Tim Brown, the former All-White, who went on to, uh, who went on to found Allbirds. That that would have been good. It would have been an easy way to make sure people were getting behind the team as soon as it launches. However, maybe they will anyway. I do wonder as well uh, whether the Phoenix will need to start doing 
a wee bit more to get the same amount of uh, air time. They've got a little bit of competition when it comes to the media space in New Zealand now, and a little bit of competition never really hurt anyone, did it? So it'll be good to see how that goes. Uh, Silver Ferns as well have played limping to a 10-goal loss to Australia. It's just predictable at this point. It feels predictable. Um, And I hate to say it because I love my netball, love the Silver Ferns, and unfortunately they are in a pretty poor space at the moment and the Aussies are the reigning world champions and it looked like there was a gap between the teams last night because there is. Anyway, let us know your thoughts. Double eight, double three on any of these topics. Here's what's coming up on our Macca's menu today. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. We'll have Beaver's Best throughout the show today, so get those in on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, he will play catch-up. He can play catch-up once he logs on at four o'clock in the morning. What else What else is he going to do uh, early doors over in Paris? So get your Beaver's Best in. I'll uh, make sure I, I leave them especially for him. Your sporting headlines are also coming right up. We'll have our Rugby World Cup update and Brendan Popplewell gives us his TAB update too. Beaver joins us from his hotel reception in Paris at 4pm. What a joy that should be. Hopefully they're serving croissants at that time. The one and only Paddy Gower is joining us for a, uh, an election special press box. Don't worry. We're not talking too much politics there. We play out our Rugby World Cup try of the week. Former Black Cabs captain Lee Jamon is live at five o'clock. Greg O'Connor's with us with a harness racing update as well. Of course, it's Friday, so we'll have our Razine colourful moment. We share our sporting predictions. And then to round out the show, we raise our glass to the week that was. That's with McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. The Run Home's Sporting Headlines. Here's what's making news today. New Zealand fell to a 50-40 defeat against world champions Australia in the opening Constellation Cup encounter in Melbourne last night. The Silver Ferns never led against their trans-Tasman rivals, conceding a 12-10 lead after the opening quarter and then five unanswered goals to start the second as the Diamonds took control of the contest. The Ferns enjoyed a 14-11 edge in the third period, reducing the deficit to six goals entering the final quarter, but three straight goals allowed the Aussies to edge clear again. The second test is in Brisbane tomorrow night. Australia have been comprehensively outclassed by South Africa, losing by a record 134 runs to move to an 0-2 record at the Men's Cricket World Cup. It's Australia's biggest loss by runs in the tournament's history, as the five-time champions were all out for 177 in the 41st over, chasing 312 to win. Having sent the Proteas into bat, nothing went right for the Australians, who were savaged by opening batter Quinton de Kock, who scored 109 off 106, as South Africa reached 7 for 311, which was helped by some sloppy Australian fielding. Read that like I'm in England. 311 for 7, South Africa reached. Australia put down six catches as de Kock smashed his second straight World Cup century to power South Africa to their total. And Wales coach and Kiwi Warren Gatland says the controversial World Cup draw is not Wales' fault and any teams feeling a sense of injustice should have performed better at the last tournament. The top four sides in the world, of course, face each other in the quarterfinals, Ireland v New Zealand, France up against South Africa, while on the other side of the draw, Wales have got Argentina and England face Fiji. Gatlin says it's not our fault this happened. I'll just say to the other teams that they should have done better in the last World Cup. That's where the draw came from. And those are your headlines.
remember to get in your your texts for Beavers Best on the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight double three. Temper and Bed Post's range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh,